Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Craig Spodak along with our co-host, Dr. Peter Bolden for another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast and I'm so flipping excited because I have my buddy and world-renowned former Tony Robbins coach, Chad E. Cooper. In the house. Yeah, he's in the house. Crowd goes wild. So a little bit of background. I'm sorry I'm extra fired up, and I apologize in advance that I'm, um, I haven't had too much coffee today, but I've just gotten off of two – I've just gotten off. I like that. I've just gotten finished <laughs> with six days of Tony Robbins um, seminar. I just did uh, my second Date with Destiny, one of Tony Robbins' um, big events. I saw lots of dentists over there. For some reason, dentists seem to love Tony Robbins. I'm not sure why yet. Uh, and uh, it was an amazing event, um, really kind of reorganizes all the belief systems you have and kind of sorts out the software that we're all running our lives with. And I want to disclose that I know Chad through the Robbins organization, even though he's no longer with them anymore. And I was a personal coaching client of Chad um, for, for many years. And he's managed to be a great friend of mine. And uh, I'm really excited to have you here, Chad. Uh, it is a pleasure to be able to spend time with you, Craig, it is, uh, you know, proof that after working with me, you can still walk upright, you're still functioning, and, yep. uh, you know, you, you haven't gone bankrupt. So that's, yeah. that's a win in my book, man. Yeah, not yet, at least. Not yet, at least. Peter, <laughs> Peter's looked at my P&L and my uh, debt structure, so he may wow. comment upon that later. <laughs> but uh, I want to give a little bit of a, a shameless plug for you, Chad. Um, I know you work with a lot of professionals, including professional athletes, and uh, your former Marine, I guess you're never a former Marine. Is that true? You're nope. always never an ex Marine former once a Marine, always a Marine. So if okay. you ever hear somebody say ex Marine, correct them and say, no, 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 still a Marine. Do you want us to mm -hmm. say like who ya when you talk after you talk or like, Oh, Semper Fi. No, that, that would be the Rangers, you okay. know, the, the Marine Get Corps. Right, we, we're just like one syllable. Who is two. That is way too complicated for hey, us. Chad, do me a favor. Don't ever correct me on my own podcast. This <laughs> I can't, I can't promise that Craig, uh, you know, can we, uh, I got a hard stop in like seven minutes, Peter, do you too? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm at five. We're good. <laughs> no, it's awesome to have you Chad. I'm sorry for our banter. We're, we're all friends here. So um, let's get right into it, man. If you don't mind. Uh, you know, one of the things that I see a lot, I know Peter and I talk about a lot is that people get everything they want. They have exactly the practices they want or they're struggling to make a practice that they want and they get it or they're in the process of getting it and they're freaking miserable. So I know you deal with a lot of professionals, including um, dentists and doctors. And what's the number one thing that you see that professionals reach? Uh, what's the number one thing you see that contributes, in your opinion, to burnout or dissatisfaction or just being miserable? Talk to us. Yeah. So, you know, I've had the privilege of working. My clients have been billionaires, right? These are people that can buy anything in the world. Uh, professional athletes who can accumulate all kinds of material possessions, Olympians that are accomplished in, in their own right as well. And the, the thing that I've seen, I, I really think that Tom Brady and Brad Pitt, uh, they're two kind of relatively recent um, news stories. You know, Tom Brady at the time of Rolling Stone magazine said, I'm the guy that's got four Super Bowl rings. 
tell me that there's got to be something more. We, we know that, that Brad Pitt, he was in Rolling Stone magazine as well, and he said, you know, I've got the plane, I've got the wife, I've got the, the celebrity status, I've got the money. And at the end of the day, it doesn't help you sleep any better. And this is a common theme that I've heard from too many people who seemingly have everything. And we have examples, Robin Williams, Philip Seymour Hoffman, that had it all, but they weren't happy. And I believe the... The reason for that is the ability to say what they really want is to move beyond happiness, material possession, and find fulfillment. And so I believe, you know, when you look at, at a dentist and what they're looking for, and, and really any entrepreneur out there, people don't want work-life balance, Craig. What they want is work-life harmony. You can look at Jack Welch, former CEO of, of General Electric, and he said there's no such thing as work-life balance. There's work-life choices. You can look at Dr. Ivan Meisner, and uh, he's the founder of BNI, and extraordinary gentleman as well. And he says, you know, there's no such thing as work-life balance. The closest that you can get is work-life harmony. And so what happens is we chase this doing drive, right? We become human doings. And in the process of that, and for our Canadian office or, or listeners, for in the process of that, what ends up actually happening is we get broken. We think that once I get the right amount of money in my bank account, then, then I'll be happy. Once I have the right car, the right spouse, the right you know, yard in the right neighborhood, all of that stuff, then I'll be happy. Only to get there, and I've literally seen billionaires, they buy these like kick-ass yachts and they're all giddy and excited and some guy comes up into next to them and theirs is five feet longer and suddenly their yacht's not shiny and new anymore and the reason for that is we're chasing after material when what we really want is the ability to find harmony within ourselves and so the reality is is it becomes the vehicles that you're using that can either serve the process of recharging your batteries, and again, for our Canadian listeners, the process of recharging your batteries, or whether what you're doing is draining your batteries. And so that's really what it comes down to is these celebrities, billionaires, et cetera, is how many of us can relate to that saying, I'm doing all of this in the process of it, it's actually draining us, not, not filling us back up. Yeah, I love that. I love the distinction between energy creating behavior and energy depleting behavior. And and uh, it's sometimes in the way you frame it, you know, your, your have tos and your get tos. Some people, I, I mean, I'm guilty of that. Uh, and my dad, actually, I saw something very interesting when my dad, uh, during the economic boom of like 2006 and seven preceding the crash, the stock market was flying. My dad pulls me aside. He's like, hey, Craig, you know, I could freaking retire right now. My, my investment accounts are so high, I could literally walk. I'm like, well, what do you want to do, dad? He's like, well, you know, I love what I do. I love working. So I, don't, I never want to retire. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, I love what I do and I'm never going to quit. And then three years later, he comes to me one day and he's like, you know, I have to work forever. I'm like, what are you talking about? Is it my stock, my stocks are gone. Everything's gone. I've lost 80% of my value and I have to work forever. I'm like, well, it's perfect. That's exactly what you wanted. But we yeah. can make our, our situations, uh, the real, we could paint the reality of our situations as a prison or as freedom and freedom is defined so subjectively. Um, it's, it's incredible how many of us feel trapped when we it's really a don't. It's narrative, right? Like it's your own narrative. That it's your story. It's your story about everything. And, and right. Peter, your father's, I hate that. Your father's path was the same regardless, but being forced to and choosing to, 
are two different things, right? Like one of my buddies who is in that situation too, he's like, it's just, it's a different ride to work now. He's like, I still go. I don't need to. It's a different ride to work, you know? And so, so the vehicle doesn't change the meaning that we give to it does. So true. I mean, Peter, you had a burnout story as well, which is a, you know, an interesting story, maybe not for today, but definitely would love to share that with the audience and, you know, and, and, um, we've have had conversations, candid conversations where Peter calls me up and say, Hey man, there's this opportunity to kind of pull the plug and I don't know. And then, and then we just kind of delve deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of the issue. And it's very clear when it comes really down to it, you know, you want to pull the effort card, but it's really just your belief systems and story about it that makes you feel that way and nothing more. So it's always good to re- recalibrate on the intention of what you want to create. I'm pretty fascinated by this actually, Chad, because you know, you talk about like the, the path, right. And, the, and these billionaires having planes and, you know, it's like all about the destination and then they get to the destination. It's like, Holy shit, this I'm still not happy. And so, yeah. What's the hack there? Like, what's the code? Can you, can you tell us what you've discovered is really, you know, and you just did allude to it, but it's, it's, can you, can you dial it down for, for dentists? Can you dial it down for us and say like, well, maybe you can't, you know, cause people are people. And I guess that's kind of stupid to say like, Hey, what would apply to Dennis? But no, I can't actually, but oh, I'm not okay. going to. So what else oh, do you want to talk about? Great. Great. <laughs> so here's, here's what it comes down to. Okay. Is if you go and look up an interview with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, uh, they were both interviewed by Charlie Rose back in January of 2017. And Bill makes a, a really two important points. First, Warren Buffett says, look, I'm a billionaire. I can buy whatever I want, except for one thing. The one great equalizer that we are all equal. doesn't matter your gender. doesn't matter where you were born, your geography. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter you know, whether you were born to, to privilege or any of that. The one equalizer is that we all get 168 hours. That's one week worth of time. You don't get an hour more or an hour less. Mm-hmm. So if we're all equal that way, you, me, Dennis, billionaires, Olympians, how we use that time is what separates the amateurs from the professionals. Now, that's something that, that Bill taught Warren. And contrary or, or conversely to that is Bill said, I used to think that having a full calendar was an indication of my level of seriousness and commitment. Mm-hmm. And he says, and what Warren taught him is that having padding, and as I say, padding isn't just for furniture, but having space in your life, in your calendar, is actually where your creativity comes alive. It's not in watching a three-minute YouTube video. I'm sorry to say. You might get motivated and inspired, but creativity occurs in that empty space where you can actually just be present and singularly focused. So if that's what helps set the stage, how is it, you know, I retired 10 years ago now. I retired when I was 35 years old the first time. It lasted about three months before I went absolutely stir crazy. And my friends said, dude, you're, you're busier now than you were when you were in the corporate world. You know, what's up with that? And I said, well, let me ask you, do you want to be on the golf course every day? They're like, no, I hate golf. I said, then why are you putting your standards on me? Because I believe that retirement is doing what you want on your terms. And that's really, Craig, what your dad was saying 
right? Is he wanted to do it on his schedule, how he wanted to use that 168 hours as a get to, not a, I have to go to work. Yeah, yeah. And Peter, with your friend, is the same thing. So how do we make that shift? How do we go from something that drains us to something that actually starts filling us up and recharging our batteries? Well, the answer okay, to that so the answer to that is is to learn and understand what your purpose is. See, we've been sold a bag of goods. We've been told that our purpose is a set of things. And the reality is your purpose is a set of emotions, how you want to feel. See, Robin Williams had everything, but he didn't feel good inside. He was no longer serving his purpose. And so the same thing with your dad, Craig, is, is how did he want to feel, right? Same thing with myself when I retired is I wanted to feel like I was able to serve people. So if you want to know what your purpose is, it's really easy. Sit down and write down seven to ten. It's going to take you a little bit of time, but not really. Seven to ten of your most happy, memorable memories that you can think of. And write literally one to two or more paragraphs on every single memory. And once you have all of those memories, making sure that you add all of the emotions and feelings of that, being very specific about the emotions and feelings, then when you have all 10 of those memories, go back and circle all the emotions. And you're going to find repeating feelings and emotions keep on coming back up. Those are your purpose. See, we want to feel a certain way. And once we know what our purpose is, then the world of, of numerous vehicles can fill that. So it no longer becomes, oh, if I chase this vehicle, then it's going to make me happy, only to find out, well, that didn't actually give me the feeling I was expecting it to be. Right? Freedom, security, connectedness. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you, maybe you have this awesome big-ass mansion, but it's empty, and you don't have anybody to connect with or to share it with. Does that make sense? Totally. You know, it's a cool thing that I pulled away from the last couple of days and it's something I've been working on for a little bit of time, but you, you don't feel any emotion that's given to you or any, any quality that's given to you. It's almost like, uh, I hate to go so like hokey here, but I always do. So I'm going to drop it anyway. But you, you know, if you want more love or gratitude in your life, there's nothing you can do to get that, but it's in the giving, like, in the giving of that emotions where you experience it most richly, you can't feel the love you get. You only feel the love you give. You can't feel the gratitude you get. You'll feel unworthy if you just get it. You don't feel it. But when you give it, when you give emotions, it's, it's the experience and the richness of the emotion by giving it. So if I want to feel like more grateful, I'll actually do, I'll express gratitude. I'll drop text messages on friends or a voice text message. It's like, hey, bud, I'm thinking about you or thanks for doing that for me. And that's a more the context of the emotion, how you experience it, and giving it to somebody else. And it's something we've all got really wrong. We're all thinking if I just, if I built the badass practice, if I have 10 locations, if I hire 10 associates, then it's going to make me happy. I'll be significant and certain, and then I'll be happy. And it really winds up really fucking us up because we get all that stuff. And then we feel even more alone because we achieved what we thought would bring it to us that you have it and you don't have the feeling. It's like the car, you know, you get the brand new car. It's amazing. You love it. You work so hard to get it. You get the first ding and you're pissed off. And the second ding, you're like, oh, fuck. And the third ding is like, fuck, it's just a car and it's over, you know? And, and I mean, and you brought up Robin Williams. I mean, that dude was loved around the world. 
everywhere he'd go, people would walk up to him and say, oh my God, you're Robin Williams. I love you. I love you. The reason why I became a doctor with Patch Adams or you're the funniest person ever or all the Academy Awards. And he felt totally unloved. And that's just, I mean, that's the, you know, not the quote of Tonyism, but the greatest failure in the world is having everything you ever want and still being unfulfilled. Achieving yeah. everything you ever wanted and still having no fulfillment. That, and I, I fear that many of our dentist colleagues that are listening right now are on a path, or either there already or on a path to that, because we are high-earning people as, as a general rule. And um, although U.S. News and World Report says we have one of the highest, best jobs, I, I experience, you know, on chat rooms and Facebook and different places, a lot of low fulfillment. And when I speak about, hey, man, I like what I do. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, it's because you have, you know, other people working for Ooh, you. It's easy for you. Yeah, it's easy for you. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so, so talk about that. You made, made a good point in that, Craig, and that was you have to give. You can't give what you don't already possess within yourself, right? And one of the distinctions that I've noticed with billionaires, professional athletes, and entrepreneurs is, and this is a generalization, okay? So I'm not putting everybody in this category, but one of the trends that I've noticed is that if you are an employee or you work for somebody else, generally you tend to consume whatever is created for you or given for you. But as an entrepreneur, you have to create in order to produce revenue. And so the difference in that is whether you have a mindset of being in causation, being the creator of your future or living in the effect of other people's decisions. Yeah. And that's a huge piece. Because when you are the cause, it means that you have accountability. And accountability is about ownership. It's not about discipline. Accountability is about ownership. So we can take a look at, okay, great. I've discovered my core values. I've discovered my purpose. Now what do I do with them? Mm -hmm. Well, here's something contrary to what you've been told, right? You're you're a dentist. You got to be appropriate. You got to be professional. Well, here's a perfect example of... (laughs) You don't always have to follow the rules. What you must do is take those emotions and insert them into the subject line for the activity that you're undertaking. In other words, what's the difference between putting on your calendar workout when most people hate to work out, right? You think about working out. It doesn't feel good, but it's good for you. Yeah. Now, what if you actually found your, your, your core purpose as connecting with others, as you know, finding adventure, and maybe it's about uh, significance? What if you actually inserted that into the subject line? Adventurous day serving others while pushing rocks for charity, something like that. Are you getting a workout? Yeah. But you notice that the vehicle really didn't change. You're still working out, but the meaning you're giving to it is the difference of, well, I have to go to the gym versus going out and connecting with other people, serving other people, generating love. You're the cause of that emotion, of experiencing that, and that's where fulfillment comes in. So that what happens is, is most of us fall down to this trap of brokenness of I have to be a human doing. And what I'm saying is, is put emotion back in your calendar. Yeah, people are going to look at you funny if they see it, but there's a little thing called private that people don't have to read that. But I, I, I will tell you, this is the number one thing 
I have a 12-week program, Create Your Legendary Lifestyle. And this is the number one factor, regardless of where you are in life, that if you don't do this, you slip back into dabbling and drifting. I mean, it's, you're talking about a plan for um, how you want to – you're talking about a life plan. And even saying that sounds so uh, hokey, but, you know, if, you're, if you go on a vacation – You'll do research, you'll figure out, uh, you know, let's say you take a two-week vacation somewhere, you'll figure out what type of clothes to bring, you'll, you'll think about what you're going to do on each day, you'll, you'll pack intentionally, you'll plan everything, but most of us just kind of show up in life. And I, I think it's a good point to bring up, uh, Chad, you'll be very proud of me, um, me, and, me and Peter here, but we've actually just completed uh, our book, uh, our first publication. I, I have a feeling it's yeah. the first of many. Okay, yeah, I want to hear about it. The, you don't know about that? Kind of wore me out, but no, it's freaking great, man. I got so nothing. This, I got nothing else to add. I just deployed yeah, everything into that book, so I got. Nothing yeah, else. let out. me tell you. I, I mean, I've I read just about every dental book that's come out, and I am so fired up about this. You know, when you're writing a book, it's kind of disjointed, and you, you like wonder how it's going to all flow, and you, you read chat, you write the chapter by chapter. But we just got the final manuscript of it, and we talk about so many different things in it, but, but talk about the intentionality. Like Peter and I were so intentional about what we wanted to create. Like how, we, we knew before the practice ever opened what it's going to feel like. We had a cool vibe for it. We knew what, how the team was going to behave in it. We had such intention around it. And, and in the same way, we have a level of intensity around what we're doing with our families and our, our kids. We, we have a clear picture, very clear picture of what we want to create in our lives. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're experiencing, um, you know, some levels of fulfillment is, is a direct proportional result to that intention, the work to, to pack for your life or to design your life. The reward is that you get it. If you're just kind of stumbling along, life's going to kick your ass. And um, it's life is kicking our asses too. I don't want to, sure. anybody sure. listening out here to think for that. Sure. I'm sorry. It's a different, I said for sure, but it's a different level of, you know, sometimes you have to play offense and sometimes you have to play defense. And so some, and I think some people are totally reactionary to just like, well, let's see what happens today as opposed to purposely going after it. And, yeah. and Chad, I want you to talk about that, but also when you talk about purpose and, you know, that Craig has more of a bigger arching purpose to me. And I get sweat. I get sweaty back when people start talking about purpose because if someone came to me today and said, Hey, what's your purpose? I'd be like, uh, I don't know, be a good dad, like be a good leader. Like I can't give you an elevator pitch. And so it makes me uncomfortable because always it seems like everyone's, when everyone's like, I have a purpose and they start beating their chest, it's always altruistic, always. Like I am going to feed millions and, you know, like look behind Craig. He's got, you know, a check of charity behind his thing. And that's his, you know, we're looking Craig behind you in the, the 40,000 yeah. check. Right. And it's always altruistic. And so like, I feel like the people who, who aren't singing that, like, I'm going to feed America, you know, it's like purpose can't be, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but you know where I'm going with that? I do. And, and purpose is not always altruistic. Okay. Serving others in altruism may be one of the vehicles that people choose to experience certain feelings and emotions. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I can say the same thing to you, Peter, about to be a good dad. That's altruistic, brother. So the question is, is how do you want to feel as super dad? Mm -hmm. What are some of the emotions that you want to experience there? So that's the, 
that's the audit question that you need to ask in every scenario is how do wait say it again the, what the yeah how do you want to feel while you're being out. super dad gotcha right? right so we make the mistake here's here's the thing in your night you're part of 97 percent of the world that doesn't know how to answer that question by the way there's a lot more people in your corner than there are in the oh here's what i you know it's it's, it's astonishing that 97 percent of the world really doesn't know their purpose but if I ask them how do they want to feel, they can tell me that. So yeah, what happens is you made the mistake. Right? Like we have a hard time. It's probably deep in there. And I would, well, I guess, of course, it's deep in there. But I have a hard time articulating it. You but know? you have a hard time articulating because you've been told how to respond in the appropriate way, Peter. Right. See, you've been institutionalized that yeah. your answer should be by a vehicle, by some system that allows you to feel like it's purposeful. And my response is, is flip that. If you look at an, at an oak tree versus a pine tree, okay? A pine tree has a very shallow root system. An oak tree has a deep center root system and very deep roots. Mm -hmm. So where does the majority of nutrition come from for a tree? In the roots or at the treetop through the leaves? Roots, I'm guessing. Yeah, really the roots. Know. Yeah, it comes through the soil, right? That's where the majority of the nutrition comes from. But what you've been told is all the pretty colors of the fall oak tree, those are the scene. That's how society judges us. Right. Right? The right family. The wife's hot. Right. I don't know if you've seen Craig's wife. She's hot. She's actually <laughs> a sweetheart. I tell, She's a sweet I tell him that all the time. I'm like, He's got a beautiful family. You totally yeah. outkicked your coverage. Uh, so yeah. I had a lot of game back then, Peter and Chad. I, I don't have the game anymore, but I had I had crazy game back then. <laughs> if it was up to so, me now, God forbid, I, I'd wind up with like you know basically the female equivalent of Chad. No well, fan. lucky for you, there's Match.com. Yeah. Or, so here's or, the thing: we'll use we'll use Craig as an example here, right? Is back then Craig had game. You know, he could lure her in, and she saw all the treetop. <laughs> And that's what most of us are taught, how society tells us whether we're successful or you suck. Right. But the reality is, is Craig's game's not what it used to be. Luckily, however, his wife isn't all about what's seen. Mm -hmm. She knows what's in his roots. And the roots are your values. But we're told to feed the top, the photosynthesis. And, and don't get me wrong. There is energy in nutrition that comes from the, the leaves, photo, photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. But the majority of that comes from the roots. And if you aren't, if you're not feeding your roots, your values, how you want to show up as super dad or mm -hmm. the dentist extraordinaire, if you can't connect to your roots, the values that allow you to say, I get to go and serve people today. I get to go help people have a smile that makes them feel confident. And by smiling, they actually are, are making other people's lives better too. Because they're not afraid to just, I can't let people see my teeth. Those are the feelings. And so when the storm comes by, like you said, you guys said, right? Life's still kicking our ass. You're still going to have temptation or, or um, um, trials. Mm-hmm. But when that storm comes by, if you have a deep-rooted purpose, deep-rooted values, you can withstand that storm. If you have a shallow root system like a pine tree, we've all seen pines toppled over with the roots exposed. So Those are people go. that chase the scene 
only to actually get knocked over and be lost in the storm. Yeah, and I want to relate this. No, I'm not. I'm sorry to interject, but I want to relate this to something that Craig said about burnout, and that's pretty rampant in our in our industry. Um, and yeah. I don't know if it's because we charge so hard, get out of school, and we've got all this debt, and we just blast forward, and we just literally bust our bodies, and we're contorted all day long, and you know, dentistry is hard physically, mentally, and all this stuff, right? And we have a lot, and so we get to that burnout. And so what I'm hearing is that a lot of that burnout could be due to the narrative in which we're telling ourselves like, I don't, you know, I don't really like to do this anymore. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to relate. Yeah. You're, no, that's a, it's the, a great place. So my mother was a good example of, she likes to, to work with elderly people and serve elderly people. And there got to a point where she's like, you know, they're just grumpy. All they do is complain. And all I'm trying to do is, is serve them. And, and I, I like working with them. And I just want to bring some, some, you know, joy into the life. So what happened is she went from, I get to do this to being jaded and all that inside story going on. And I said, mom, what is it that you really want? How do you want to feel? She goes, well, I want to feel like I'm bringing some sunshine into their life. And I said, well, what if you actually put that on your calendar? What if you actually had an identity that you put on the identity of a sunshine giver? See, we, we don't, where these identities, you know, if you go to church, you put on a different identity than when you're at your home. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most of us wear a different identity. When we're all schizophrenic. I'm just courageous enough to admit it. It's a healthy schizophrenia. Okay. So the, do you just wear any mask that you're given or are you wearing a mask that, you know, you're trying to hide your pain or are you actually deliberately wearing something that allows you to connect with the emotions that fill you back up? So the first is, is have an identity. You're not a dentist for Pete's sake. Craig does not see himself just as a dentist. True or false, Craig? True. Who are you? He's like, oh, crap, I, I didn't rehearse for well, no, this. I, I know what it is, but if I said it, it would probably lose some street cred. But um, I, I'll go for it since you asked. Uh, if it's um, going to give me some money back. Yeah, it's because in the context of, you know, for me – I, See, here's the thing. Before he answers, I've he's been trained. By the way. Yeah, because he's been trained to play small. Yeah. What if they reject me? What if they judge me? Yeah. What if they go, that is the dumbest name I've ever heard. And I'll tell you if it is. <laughs> no, he knows I won't. But yeah. see, notice how we respond is that we want to, to not be afraid of being human of being normal. Yep. And so what happens is we say, well, if I do enough, then people won't actually see the real me. They'll be impressed by the treetop. But what I actually want to know is who's at the root because that's the person I really care about. That's the person that people can really connect with. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. here's the yeah. question. If you're doing something that's draining your batteries – We'll use the Far East symbol. There are seven characteristics. See that, Craig? I can count. I appreciate that. I'm happy Peter, you learned. Seven. I got it. Okay. Seven characteristics of yin and yang or yin and yang. Okay. Harmony. We all know the yin and yang symbol, right? It's not a hard 50-50. It's a flow. What most people don't notice about that is that there is a frame around that. So the inside of that is flow, but it is also held together by a framework. 
And within that, there are seven characteristics. So if you're doing something right now and saying, this sucks, I don't want to do it, it's draining my batteries, ask if the seven qualities exist in any activity that you're doing, any vehicle that you're, you're using. The first is, is it serving a sense of mission? So for yourselves, you wrote this book. Was there a sense of mission? Yeah, of course. Yes. Did you do it from a place of freedom? Did you do write the book freely? Or were you, you know, coerced or imprisoned or held against your will to do it? We were, did it freely. The funny thing, Chad, to, to add to that is our publisher is like, well, what's the reason you're writing it? What are you selling? And the funny thing is, we're, like, we're actually not selling anything. We were paying it forward. And she's like, they're like, uh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. We just want to add value. We've learned yeah. a lot. And we want to pay forward. So that was the spirit. That was the first conversation we had that set off the tone. Nice. So the first characteristic is mission. The second is freedom. The third is love, which you just spoke to, Craig. Yeah, that's the serving, purpose of my life, by the way. Paying it forward is serving your mission from a place of freedom, doing it with love. Yeah. Number four is a sense of adventure. Was there adventure involved? Yeah, from, yeah, Peter? I mean... Yeah, I guess on a I guess on a different level. I mean, you know. Well, seeing it come together. I mean, when we read the manuscript, I mean, we were going back and forth. We were fired up as hell. I'm like, dude, did you actually read this thing yet? Did you see how it all flows together from start to finish? We were really fired up. Yeah, that's true. So all number right, so five, adventure. five. Yep, adventure. Number five is filling up. When you do this event, when you partake in this activity, this vehicle, does it fill you up? Number six, does it create a sense of safety? And number seven, does it allow you to speak your truth through love? And for you, Craig, that speaks volumes because what you said is, is you did this to serve other people was about your passion to serve other people and be able to speak your truth through love to serve. Yeah. Because there's a huge difference between speaking your truth and speaking your truth through love. We've seen a, a politicians doing it in the last election. Mm -hmm. Speaking your truth can tear people down. Speaking your truth through love is about having empathy and not judging them in the process, but saying something that you know must be said. Doesn't mean it's got soft edges or that people are always ready to hear it. But because you're doing it from a place of love, you know that you, it's coming from a place of empathy rather than judgment. So yeah. the things that you love doing, ask yourself, Peter, tell me something that you absolutely love doing that you're addicted to. Kiteboarding. No, no not, that, not the first thing you thought of, though. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It was, I could tell what you're thinking. It's disgusting. Kiteboarding. Is there a sense of mission? Um, yeah, getting better. Yeah, it's more of the adventure. You're like, I'm an adventure junkie. I mean, I think everything I want to do is kind of like, you know, plan a trip or do this thing or can I ride across the desert and like, you know, and I think what freaks me out is knowing that like those days are numbered for me, meaning from an age standpoint, you can't do that in perpetuity. So you can do it at 67. Richard I don't know why I just threw that in, but like, I don't know why that's so on my mind these days is that like my body is like getting older. But, because the piece that's missing there is the safety. 
do you feel safe in it? You're like, no, actually, I don't feel safe that I can do this for the rest of my life. Right. But if you went through all seven of those, you're going to have the majority of those light up, probably a zero to 10, seven and a half or higher. Mm -hmm. Mission, freedom, love, probably all there. Adventure, absolutely. Does it fill you up in the process? I think so. So here's the thing. You can have all seven of these qualities, and it can still kick your ass. It can still wear you out, and you will be exhausted, but you go to bed with a big smile, big smile. on your face. Yeah. And that's work-life harmony. See, the challenge that I see people have is they say, man, I'm passionate. All seven of these, or you know, I'm passionate about my career. And then they come home, they give everything to their career, but what they're doing is they're sucking the energy from the other areas of their life, and they come home and they give the scraps to their family yeah. or to their health yeah, or to their sure. finances. And work heart life harmony is the ability to say all seven of these characteristics show up in each of my roles because it doesn't drain me. It actually recharges me. And that harmony means you can go and work 60 hours in your career and still have the energy and level of presence with your family when you come home. Does that make sense? It does. You know, a, I lot think of, a, lot of, a lot of us professionals fill up, by the way. We have shitty lives at home, and we fill up at work. We get all those human needs met at work. So, you know, if you're having family troubles and things aren't working well, we get all of our human needs met in the office. I mean, not, not, not to, you know, just like the significance and certainty and, and recognition mm -hmm. and accolade. That's why we have so many people that are addicted to work and then you work harder and you think, especially for the men out there, we think like, okay, well I'm, I'm helping my family by providing for them and your kids don't want you. The kids don't want money. The wife for the most part doesn't want money, even though she may say she does, she really just wants your presence and we've got it all wrong to, to just do more work, work more, do more, and we're kind of cheating ourselves out of life. And that's like a, the, the disease, I believe, of the, Western, of the Western world, especially in America. It's just more, 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 more shit. And in the end, we just we come up bankrupt morally and emotionally bankrupt. Or not morally, but emotionally bankrupt. And it's, it's yeah, a, we do. So really the seven, seven characteristics show up at work. And you say, well, my marriage, you know, my relationship sucks. Ask yourself, how many of those qualities are showing up in your marriage? I'll tell you that the, the, the two greatest factors, if you want an extraordinary ma marriage and you're struggling, it comes down to love and respect. What your, what, what your wife wants most, what she desperately desires is your love. And what a man deserves is your respect. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing I see with men, and this is one of the specialties is I work with men and what does it mean to be a present man? The reason they come home and they're drained and they don't give anything is because they don't feel respected. And when you don't respect the man, he's going to withhold his love and it becomes a downward spiral. He's going to withhold his love. And you're going to respect him even less. Now that's a, a bit of a generalization, but if you ask somebody, if you had employees or you had customers or you had friends and you could only have one of these two qualities, either they love you or they respect you, which would you choose? Nine out of 10 men are going to choose what? Respect. Every time. Nine out of 10 men are going to choose respect. That's why I can speak to this in generalization because nine out of 10, oh, this sounds like a dentist. Nine out of 10 dentists recommend. Dentine. Dentine. Okay. So does that make sense is, is 
when we don't have these seven characteristics, what happens is we show up and we don't have a sense of mission. We're not doing it freely. So you go, oh, baby, you want some of this? You better give me some of that. We're not free in the pursuit of our mission. We're horse trading. Mm, transactional for sure, right? Yeah. yeah, we're whoring ourselves out. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's like that level of love, that level two love is just horse trading. Yeah. Patients feel it, uh, spouses feel it, employees feel it. There's a different level. There's another level. There's a more nourishing level. I know we're getting kind of tangential from burnout, but, and, and the thing is a lot of, you, you called it, Chad. You said, what, what's the purpose of my life? I have, a, I have it. I have it really well written out. And bringing this to the, to the general public is embarrassing for me because, you know, I've gone through several iterations of it. At one point, like when I was building my business and trying to make it all happen, like my purpose was like, I'm a fucking steam train. I'll like blast through anything. And I did that for a while. And being a steam train, you leave a trail of bodies behind and it doesn't work forever. It's not good to be a locomotive charging through life. It's fine. At certain points, you have to act like a locomotive. But at this point in my life, you know, I, I've done certain things, I've accomplished certain things, and it hasn't provided the level of reward for me. So the next level, this level that I'm at right now is Before I Before you go there, that next level, I can relate because my role as a husband was Atlas. You know, that guy that holds up the, the weight of the world? The problem with that is after a little while, it gets heavy and you start to resent your wife. Yeah. Like that, that steam train, right? All right. So now where are you at, Craig? Well, my, my purpose is to, um, you know, kind of experience greater levels of love and, um, for everybody and everything. And, um, actually just let divine guidance that flows through me, guide me through my life. I I really believe I'm very centered spiritually. And I believe that everything that happens for me, um, is it has some form of purpose or meaning and I'm just being patient to see what it is. But also I feel very connected in that way. And it's giving me a lot of, I mean, even when I get my ass kicked, I feel like, okay, what's the meaning in this now? You know, I think that there's so much human beings need so much certainty around things like, Oh, my employee left. This sucks. My office, you know, they got a bad review on Yelp. This is the beginning of the end. And I think if we could just maintain a little bit of confusion, confusion is the emotion that precedes a breakthrough. Like, I wonder what else this could mean. We're so freaking certain, like, oh, this person disrespected me and they don't care about me and all that bullshit. But if we could just have a little bit of confusion, like, what else could this mean? And, and get a little bit of flexibility about it. Let, let, the, let time pass a little bit. And, and we talk about this in the book. It's like almost every real catastrophic or really upsetting thing that's happened in turn ha- or in turn in time has turned out to be a blessing in disguise. And if you could live your life with that sense of wonder as children do, or if you could like just be less attached to everything, more magic can show up. And when you're in those types of states, those, those states where you're feeling good and feeling optimistic and hopeful and have a belief or some faith, magic tends to show up more. And that's where I'm at right now. And uh, I didn't want to necessarily uh, go there, but I am coming off for those six days with Tony and, and we're very intentional about that. And just but, so you know that see, I'm not from the Yahoo, there was also, it, you know, uh, at, at Tony events, there's a whole gamut of, of civilization and, and the society there. There's people that, you know, are miserable and want to off themselves. And then there's the guy who, Joe Gebbia, who's sitting right next to me, who founded Airbnb worth $3.9 billion, uh, sitting right next to me. Usher was there, not that um, he's anybody that I neither aspire nor credit in any fashion, but there's people that are rock stars, literal rock stars of their life. So, so hold on for a second on that. Yeah. 
because that's another part of programming is as a professional life coach, I don't believe you can be a master coach until you acknowledge all four quadrants. We go back to the yin and yang. So we know we have the logical, right? The logical sense of, of ourselves, the brain. Then we have the opposite of that is the emotional, the heart. And of course, then we have the physical, the, the, the human piece that we have to take care of this, this temple that we've been given. But if we don't acknowledge the spiritual, you can do all of these exercises, and I encourage you to do them, and you will still end up empty if you don't acknowledge what spiritual means to you. That doesn't mean that you're, you have to agree with my religion, but we all have a level of spirit that we must embrace because if you don't, that's the dark part of the yin and yang that you're denying in yourself. And if there's a part of you that you're denying in, in not wanting to share with the world, that's where pain and suffering live, is in that shadow. But when we can actually say, I, I, I think that the whole Jerry Maguire, you complete me thing is, is BS. Mm-hmm. You're already complete. A partner is meant to complement you because you're already complete. But you won't get there and own and accept that until you've accepted your spiritual. And when you do that, you can stand in the face of fear and rejection and lean into it. And that vulnerability allows you to take off your armor and say, here's who I am, all of me. Mm -hmm. And that inspires others to go, damn, if he can do it, maybe I can too. So... Making making Peter feel very uncomfortable. I like it. You see me twitching and grabbing my face. I learned from back, my butt. back sweat. I was going to ask for a, a group hug, but I don't want the back sweat, dude. I'm it's judging funny. you right now. Be hard to do even Atlanta and we're elsewhere. So. It's funny how I was just thinking how like this podcast, Craig, when it was, when it was just me solo, um, you know, I launched it and it was all, all about like, this is just about systems and marketing. And that's what it was all about. Right. And because that was my language to kind of like, I am a checklister, I am a doer, I am an executor. Like that, you know, I look, live my day by my to-do list and what have I accomplished and here are my goals. And like, so this is such a foreign place. It, it sounds good. It's just so foreign to me like this, you know, and Craig, you live on a different plane of like love, like give love to receive love. And like, it's just not, I don't understand this. And it makes me, that's why I'm uncomfortable is because it's not the, the binary code of which I understand, but I do. So, see so we got some t- get it and they live more fulfilled. So I'm wondering like, why did I not get that DNA? No, no, it's, bro, bro, it's not DNA. It's not DNA. No, it's not. It's not. DNA. So, so just to interject. So I didn't like happen to like freaking like one day wake up enlightened. And I, and I don't even want to say I'm enlightened right now because I'm just, I'm going through real crap. Just like we, Peter and I are friends, you know, just, just for the listeners here, we talk about real shit that's going down and there's challenges like where I have and that he has, and that's, that's what friends do. But this was born. The, the first thing I did, the very first thing I said, Hey, maybe there's something different is was born out of something bad that happened. You know, when I built the practice, um, I got rejected by 10 banks and the 10th one or the 11th bank finally funded me and I had no money left in the bank and uh, I owed shit tons of money as you, you, you know, Peter, and I had an impending mortgage payment of 
my rent payment from before was $6,000. My impending mortgage payment was 35,000. And I was freaking I was freaking out. Like, what the hell did I do? Why did I do this? And I was really kind of disorganized about my priorities and, and my because priorities. everyone told you not to do it too, which is another Liter- like, Yeah, literally. Like I had like, and, and not part- just everybody, but the people closest to you. Yeah. And the yeah. banker. Like my, my dad's like, what the hell are you doing? My wife is like, I, I, I made a big mistake by the way. And I tell people this all the time. I share with my wife that I'm really freaking scared. And I, I don't know. I mean, at least in my relationship, I don't want to give relationship advice. Pat, Chad shaking his head. No, you never fucking tell your wife you're scared because yeah. that really freaked out. She's like, what do you mean you're scared? And then I had like, I'm scared. I had to placate her. Like, oh no, I'm you call. You call up Peter in, in tears and back sweat and go, dude, I'm really freaking Yeah, scared. what the hell did I do? Yeah, yeah, talk to one of your buddies about that. I don't want to, but, but so, so, I, so, so I was hopeless and feeling helpless and I was like, what the hell do I do? And I just started like asking for help. And, um, and through that pain, I, I used that pain to get a deeper sense of clarity. And it wasn't like I have, I have like, like introspective DNA. We all do. We just have so much goddamn armor on us. We're all at the base of it. I've, I've been around some iconic people and, and at the base of it, everybody has a fundamental belief system that at a certain point they're not worthy. And that's a survival instinct built on tribe, the tribe. We all have a fundamental pre-programmed desire to stay alive. We want to live. We're afraid of death. That's pre-programmed. That's adaptive. That's a good thing. Or else we just walk in like freaking fire and kill ourselves. And we have another instinct that's programmed to belong and feel connected to other people. And that's like from, you know, Neanderthal times because being kicked out of the tribe meant certain death. So at the core, we all, even rock star athletes and famous people and all that shit, feel like, am I accepted? Am I feeling good? So we build on all this armor to protect ourselves. But at the core, we all feel fundamentally slightly unworthy or not good enough. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've come to realize that I have those feelings. Peter, you have those feelings. Chad has those feelings. Everybody listening has some degree of that, but we resolve it through personal development through, you know, getting, getting to getting on that spiritual journey and the spiritual journey that Chad talks about, by the way, is not finding Jesus or Allah or Buddha. It's the spiritual journey is the 18 inch distance you travel from your brain to your heart. It's the longest 18 inches of your life to connect what's up here to down here, because the mind will fuck you up. The mind is where everything happens and the heart, a heart knows what's going on. And the heart, uh, the heart beats before you have a neuro, neurologic system developed in the womb. Your heart starts beating before the first neural fibers built. What's telling the heart to beat? So we have a precognitive understanding. The heart beats on its own. Something tells it. I don't know if you want to call that God or, or some higher power, but the, your heart always knows what's right, but we live our lives in our head. And I'll tell you what's really screwing up a lot of us is this crap. You know, we're getting serotonin. We're all, Simon Sinek says we're all drug addicts. Because we're just oh, absolutely. dopamine. You know, I just read that book, Leaders Eat Last, and, and, and it talks about that we're so addicted to how many likes and how much accolade we're getting. We're just going here for that dopamine. So let's talk about that for a second, okay? Because I think we got a, a little bit of time. And, and Peter, yeah. you were talking about- you, You're supposed you st- to stop me, by the way, when I go on my Well, that's, that's where yeah, I just- it was, it was good. It was good. Yeah. I would have stopped you. So, Peter, you were talking about, you know, your comfort zone- is in systems and processes and in the tools and all those kind of things, right? And what you're talking about there, Craig, what are you laughing at over there, dude? 
I'm Jesus. thinking about oh, the hugging thing I am. you made me do in Dallas, Peter. Remember that shit? <laughs> I, I was telling Peter that if you hug someone for 20 seconds, you get a, like a rush of neurotransmitting chemicals. And Peter's like, okay, yeah, okay, Mr. Big Shot. There's a group of chicks over there. Go find one of them to hug. And I'm saying this, my wife listens to this. My wife knows me. I wasn't doing anything inappropriate. But he's like, go over there and get someone to hug you. I was like, bro, easy, easy. And I walk over and Peter's like filming it. I'm like, dude, you can't film it because it's going to make him feel uncomfortable. But I got somebody to give me a hug. Two people. Yeah, well, that was the first one. Peter's like, that was a fluke. So Literally, like, I was more uncomfortable than he was. Craig was. I was like, I couldn't even watch it. It was like, what, what, what's going on right now? Twenty like, seconds is a long time. So then he says, "Yeah, you did it once, but then do it again, bro. Do it with these people, like middle age, like maybe like sixty years old, having a nice dinner." And he's like, "What are you, what are you guys talking?" About? He he opened it up. He's like, "What are you talking about?" Like, well, twenty seconds. If you hug someone for twenty seconds, you get all these neurotransmitters. He's like, "Hey, bro, bro, hug it out." And I hugged this other dude yeah. for 20 seconds. It was so freaking uncomfortable. It was so funny. That, so I was just thinking about that, that uh, we were talking about. Yeah. So sorry. So that, that's part of, no, I mean, that's been my journey in New Zealand with the White Taha is they, they, they teach you what it means to be normal again. Yeah, when you get true. rid of all that armor, you return to normal and people can see you. And it's like, oh my God, that's beautiful. So, yeah, I, I agree with it. But I'm also a pragmatist, Peter, in looking at the tools. And the number one thing I see people miss in terms of, of the, the, the physical, logical side is that they don't know how to measure their business success right. or their personal success. They don't measure their, their marriage success or their relationship with their kids, right? They know they're supposed to do it in their finances and they don't measure that either. Because it's harder so, to quantitate, right? Like it's a harder it's thing. Painful. It's not though. To quantitate. The, the difference is, is that we, again, we've been told you need these lag indicators, right? The end results measure what's already been produced, the size of your paycheck, how many people you serve, that kind of stuff. But you need both lead and lag indicators. And I'll tell, show you how this is proven successful is every single sport that I can think of off the top of my head has a rest, has a, a halftime or periods, right? Mm -hmm. There's one thing you cannot do in a Formula One race. What you have to do it or you cannot win the race. What's the one thing you have to do in a Formula pit, One race? Pit, pit. You have to have you a have pit stop. Pit. But if you don't measure exactly when to take that pit stop, you're not going to have enough fuel to cross the finish line. And if you go too long, your tires are going to be too slick and you're going to crash in the wall mm -hmm. and all kinds of other scenarios. So they know exactly how to measure the temperature, the temperature of the vehicle outside, how much fuel's in that thing. They know the downdraft, every single minute lead and lag indicator. What goes into the, the, the production is the lead indicator. And what comes out of it are the results, the lag indicators. But here's the thing, when we stop recharging our batteries and, and bringing all of this, the spiritual and, and, you know, all this other stuff into the, the logical and the tools is if you don't know when to measure, when to pit stop, you're going to crash into the wall. So it's not enough just to say, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work smarter. I'm going to do it better. If you don't pit stop, you're going to crash. You're going to burn out. You won't finish the race. Yeah. And speaking of that race car illusion analogy, 
wherever, you know, when you're teaching, I've done driving, uh, race car driving education. I'm sure you have too, Peter. I just figure you have, right? They tell you that when you're, when you're going through turns, you always have to focus on certain points of your turn. You never look at the curb or the, you never look where you don't want to go. Don't look at the curb. apex. Don't look at the apex. Yeah, look only look at the apex. But anywhere in the exit point of the turn, but wherever, wherever you look, you're going to crash. You're going to go. And uh, where focus goes, energy flows. So whatever you're focusing on, um, you can, you'll, you'll manifest that. And I'd love to, uh, Chad, I'd love to keep talking about this because. Um, no, I got to go, dude. I don't have more time for you. I'm done. Yeah, you got to say me. that. I was going to say, I was going to give you an opportunity. Peter, Peter, you're right here for me, man. But Craig, you're I dead know. to me now. Yeah, no, I think as much and, and lose my number. Uh, but, but listen, I could go on and on and on. And I hope that um, some of the listeners could follow this and, and know that, um, that don't, don't judge yourself. And you're, we're, all, we're all kind of on this continuum of success and fulfillment. And I think the most important is defining that. And Chad, if, if people want more, um, I, I want to direct them to your website, which is Chad E. Cooper. Chad ecooper.com. And, um, I know that you've uh, recently completed your book. It's available on Amazon too, as well. It's on, yeah, it's in uh, regular publishing house. So you can get it on, on any format. You can get it paperback, Kindle, uh, audible What's it called? time. Isn't the problem you are out. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Four strategies to transform stress into success. So if you want to know more about how to actually create that work-life harmony, that's really what it's about. But that's, you know, it, I, I've got a sense of humor if you couldn't pick up by now, right? Yeah. I, I grew up half Canadian. It was kind of required dry sense of humor. And so yeah. if you can't look at it from, oh, if I can't admit that I'm, I'm the problem, then you're not ready for the book. But the great thing is, is if you can admit you're part of the problem, it also means you're part of the solution. Hey, Peter, wouldn't you agree that that's for our book as well? Totally. Like if you can't admit you're part of the problem, there's so much of that in our book. It's crazy. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So when's your book coming out? Uh, I don't know, Peter. When's it coming out? Two months. Two months. I'm excited, bro. I'll, you I'll get you gotta... the manuscript, Chad. I want you to tear it apart. Take a look at it. I think you're going to find it very enjoyable. Yeah. I want to I promote it to uh, all my peeps as well when it comes out. So I could cool, be man. like, yeah, I know these guys. Yeah, I know. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I, yeah. I know Peter. We'll send you one of those signed copies, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, just exactly. just your signature though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm done being insulted. So Chad is always, always good to see you, man. Thanks for adding so much value, not only to my life, but all the people that you touch. Peter, I'm happy we made you really freaking uncomfortable. It is one of my I'm most good. fun things is to make you uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, I think that's why we get along well. We, we thrive on putting each other in, in awkward situations. You do it to me. So I, get, I love uh, when I get a chance to do it back to you. Is he gonna go uh, fetal in the? Is he gonna go fetal position in the corner after this? No, he's too, he's too he's too tough for that. He's gonna go take out his AK and do some target practice. The introvert in me just need the introvert in me needs like just some quiet time to recharge my batteries right now. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for thanks, listening. Guys. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Chad. See you guys. Over and out. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.